I've been thinking about Laura's tomato. Yesterday, Laura talked about seeing the tomato plant and what that brought up. And I've been considering what um, how Shin as a way of how Shin as a knowing the way that it's all the way that it's treated is is this is where we this is where we understand in our bodies dependent co-arising. This is where that the full realization of that. This is the mind, this shin is the mind that we understand um, by way of which we understand dependent co-arising. We don't understand it through our thinking mind. In fact, everything our thinking mind thinks is dependent co-arising is not, although it might be our best description. But in Zen, we're very clear that words miss the mark of deep understanding and that words are not the knowing we're talking about when we talk about knowing. And so this, um, the relationship between the heart and the knowing of dependent co-arising and that Laura talked about um, in seeing the tomato, which I can only guess was seen from the heart, all of these connections arose, connections to family and ancestry and to experience and so on. And this is, this is in my experience, the case with Shin, is that when something is brought into the energy of Shin, it is only natural that the deep connections to life are illuminated, come forward. Because Shin is just the way that we know, the intercausal connections of all things. And so when it is brought, when something is brought into that energy or that energy is brought to it, Anything that is, any confusion around its separateness or individuality or drops away and connection is clarified. So I was playing with this. I was looking at the meadow. And it was so interesting to go back and forth, kind of experience the meadow just from raw awareness. And from raw awareness, it was motion and light, movement, peaceful, serene. But as soon as heart energy was able to come into it, something shifted in my experience of it. As soon as Shin came into it, the first thing that came up was the sparrows that nest in the meadow. That was the first thought that followed after just introducing that energy. And then suddenly all of these other connections that the meadow was started to appear 
with just letting the energy of Shin flesh out into otherwise raw awareness. And in a sense, that was an accidental word, but or just but it put it adds flesh to awareness. It completes the body of awareness. And suddenly now the heart's in the mix and the connections of life are illuminated. And again, what we've been talking about, which is the Buddha says, this is the mind of liberation. This is the mind that is liberated. And so there's, there's a knowing here that is not about cognitive knowing. It's not about thinking. In Zen, we talk about the source. Returning to the source, communing with the source. What does it mean to commune with the source? First of all, what is the source? I think for, for all Buddhists, if we're in agreement on one thing, it's dependent co-arising. It's that there is, um, that life is deeply intercausal beyond our ability to fathom. And everything is coming from that. Everything that we are is coming from this deeply interconnected life. We are one manifestation, each of us a manifestation. Actually, each of us are infinite manifestations of all of this interconnectedness. And so for us, the source is that which connects us to that, which helps us realize that. And um, Shin is the knowing of that. That cannot be known, the source cannot be known by the karmic mind or the thinking mind or the planning mind or the separate mind. The mind that we experience in awareness cannot know the source. The mind of awareness, in other words, my being aware of an object or you or the world that I'm aware of, that cannot know the source. It can guess about it, can think about it, can speculate. But the, the kind of strange, I was wondered if I wanted to use the word strange, but to the, to the karmic mind, strange. <laughs> the strange truth of Shin is that we, through it, we know something we cannot witness. And we know it deeply. We don't, we know it more than we know anything else. And yet it is what we cannot see or witness. but it's on what everything else rests. And once we're in touch with that knowing, what is realized that is that the karmic mind, the thinking mind, are a lot of convenient, sometimes necessary fantasies that we um, 
that we've been relying on in ways that they don't deserve any reliance. We can't rely on them. They're a closed loop. They're a closed universe. They're not touching into um, life. Not in its fullness. They're describing life to the best that they can describe life. But not knowing life. And so the distinction between these two kinds of knowing, knowing that is really a a description that we believe or a description that we're invested in. I know this to be true in the sense that I have a belief that I am fully invested in, that kind of knowing, Um, which I, I don't think our practice tradition would really consider knowing. It's the way we talk about knowing often, but I don't, I, I feel like when we talk about knowing in Zen, we are not talking about that as knowing. That is believing things, believing words. Knowing for us is the knowing of Shin, which is not anything described by words, not anything conceivable, but simply a heart that is rooted in life and trusts life completely. And the knowing, so Shin is, Shin as a uh, mind, often you, we, we see in the, in, the, in the literature of Zen this idea of functioning, essential functioning. Um, Dogen talks about um, that um, realization is a complete or total or full functioning of life, functioning as it's just functioning as itself. And this functioning, in other words, this movement, life being itself, is inseparable from knowing. It's not that there is a knowing of the function. It's not that shin, so shin is something that is active. It's everything coming together as this life and the knowing of those deep connections. It is the functioning of those deep connections, the pivoting of those deep connections, the movement of those deep connections that is the knowing. The way that when a body, I think of Milo when he enters the forest. We talk about a dragon as it enters the water or a tiger as it enters the mountain. (laughs) There's Milo as he enters the forest. And it's the same thing. It's a body, it's a functioning body that is knowing itself completely in a context without any, not a hair's breadth between that knowing and the function. There's just the body knowing and functioning in the context. This is the knowing of Shin. There's not a hair's breadth between the dynamic interrelatedness of all of life and the knowing of that. They are one thing 
which is why Shin is the only thing that can fully comprehend dependent arising, even though it cannot speak about it, cannot say a word about it. Only the cognitive mind talks about it, and the cognitive mind doesn't know a thing about it, but it says all the words. Shin knows everything about it and says nothing. But Shin influences. Living from Shin influences the cognitive mind. It influences awareness. It fills it with the realization of dependent co-arising. So in the Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, when, when the line says, when we chant, it is subtly included in the true. Or it is naturally real yet inconceivable. This is talking about shin and suchness that is realized through shin. But it's naturally real yet inconceivable. It is subtly included in the true. And so the same, the same poem goes on to say, communing with the source, travel the pathways. So communing with Shin, communing with dependent co-arising, communing with suchness, communing with the source, navigate the karmic mind. Navigate the karmic world. But with Shin bright, living from that place, not living from the karmic mind, which is what we normally do. Living from the karmic mind, communing with the karmic mind, eh, it it keeps us in a loop. But communing with the unspeakable source, the unnameable source, is, um, is what allows us to skillfully navigate the pathways, to skillfully navigate the karmic mind, to skillfully navigate the karmic world. So this is where we talk about um, faith and trust. Faith and trust, as we talk about it, is not um, unconfirmed belief, which is often how faith is used. I, I have a belief that has no confirmation in reality, and therefore I have faith in it. That is not the faith we're talking about. That is just an unconfirmed belief. Even confirmed, but for, for us, even confirmed beliefs shouldn't be trusted fully. Belief is not the world of faith and trust for us. Thinking is not the world of faith and trust for us. The world of faith and trust for us is this world of shin, is this world of connection to dependent co-arising. So faith is not a not knowing of something. Faith is a different kind of knowing. Faith is the description of the way of knowing that which cannot be talked about. It's not I don't want to talk about it. I don't have a clear 
way of talking about it. I have a belief that I don't want to talk about whatever the cognitive way of talking about faith, the thinking way of talking about faith. The thinking way of talking about faith is suspicious of real faith. Because for the cognitive mind, with, which roots all understanding in thinking, in talking about, in internal dialogue, in argument, in all the ways we do it, is completely and utterly um, suspicious of the knowing that needs no words. Because in the knowing that needs no words, the entire reality of the thinking mind is called into question. And, it, and that's where the separate self lives. And it's not that interested in being called into question. And so faith, which is the knowing function of Shin, is the knowing function of dependent co-rising through us, is the knowing function of the source. We live from that. And in living from that, we know, <laughs> we know we have a kind of trust, we have a kind of faith, but we also know something which is that we don't know that much. That most of what is going on is beyond our capacity to witness it. That most of it's mystery, that most, that the world is swirling around and through us in ways that we'll never understand. And so there is only faith. The only thing we have is faith and trust in the face of that. This is what Dogen in the Genjo Koan, Dogen talks about this experience of moving from one knowing to another kind of knowing. He says when, he writes, when Dharma does not fill your whole body and mind, you think it is already sufficient. So in other words, when we're not full of the Dharma, we think the mind of our experience is complete, it's sufficient, it's all fine. But when Dharma fills your body and mind, you understand that something is missing. For example, when you sail out in a boat to the midst of an ocean where no land is in sight and view the four directions, the ocean looks circular and does not look any other way. But the ocean is neither round nor square. Its features are infinite in variety. It's like a palace. It is like a jewel. It only looks circular as far as you can see at that moment. All things are like this. Though there are many features in the dusty world and the world beyond conditions, you see and understand only what your eye of practice can reach. In order to learn the nature of the myriad things, you must know that although they may look round or square, the other features of oceans and mountains are infinite in variety. Whole worlds are there. It is so not only around you, but also directly beneath your feet or in a drop of water. Per usual, Dogen very eloquently talks about this shift of understanding the world through a mind of what we are aware of, what we can witness, what we can see, 
And when that's it, when the, when, when the Dharma is limited and we believe that is the world, then we think we see the whole world. We understand what's going on. I can see what's happening. But when the Dharma fills our body and mind, then we are aware that that is not the whole story. And there is whole worlds there beyond our capacity to see that now we feel, we feel with Shin, but we don't know. And so it may bubble through the way that we might see a bubble come to the surface of the water that lets us know that there's something down there that we can't see. The universe sending little reminders in the form of prajna, in the form of insights, in the form of realizations, in the form of a felt sense of dependent co-arising. But we will never know. And living this, and living this original heart, this original heart that is the source, this original heart that is Shin, but everything that is unknown to us also. It's, um, it is the other form of knowing, the knowing of the thinking mind that makes it so difficult to live from this knowing. The primary hindrance to living this knowing of Shin is the knowing of the thinking mind, its sureness, its confidence in its beliefs, its confidence in how it's organized and structured the world. It has everything right. And that is the problem. You know, in the poem, this is probably one of the places this is best described is actually in a poem called Shin Shin Ming, which is faith in Shin or trust in Shin. And the, and the opening lines of the poem talk about this getting in the way, this thinking mind, this discerning mind getting in the way. The incomparable way is not so difficult. Just never grasp discernment. Where there is no aversion nor longing, there's thorough understanding. A hair's breadth of misunderstanding is as far apart as heaven and earth. If you wish the Dharma to appear before you, never have for and against at heart. That for and against battle each other is the lifelong malady besetting Shin. that for and against battle with each other is the lifelong malady, besetting shin. Not knowing the inconceivable purpose, chasing after stillness is a fruitless toil. Splendidly whole, like an endless sky, nothing is lacking, nothing in excess. But because of grasping and rejecting, you cannot attain it. So it's right there. 
It is the functioning that is happening all the time. But because we live in a world of for and against, because we're invested in a thinking world, in an experiential world of for and against, this original heart cannot be heard because it is not in the world of for and against. It doesn't live the world of for and against. It does not maybe even understand the world of for and against. What comes from Shin with regard to the world of for and against is compassion, is karuna, is a desire to remove the delusion that that is the world that can be trusted. And Shin is always doing this. It's always functioning in this way. Laura pointed this out yesterday. It doesn't go anywhere just because we aren't, we've built a scaffolding around it and decided it's all that feeling and is aggravating. And, and, and I don't want to make light of it, even though it is, I mean, it's silly as a strategy. It's reasonable historically. You know, we build scaffolding around it because it is going to do its job, which is feel the pain of our lives. It's going to do its job, which is connect us to our ancestry. It's going to do its job, which is to connect us to everything that is. It's going to do what it naturally does, which is connect life. And if we're not ready for the fullness of the life that is birthing us to be known, then we're going to build up some walls. But that doesn't mean it's not doing what it does. It's doing what it does. It's just functioning behind the walls. And as we discern them and take them down, it comes forward. Baby steps we begin to trust. And at some point in practice, the trust shifts, the trust switches. And we know that this is the only knowing worth relying on. And in that, everything else is put in its proper place. The thinking mind is a helper. Awareness is a big space that's necessary, but not the whole story. Awareness without Shin is dry, a dead world. Thinking without Shin is neurotic, clamoring to control everything all the time. It will use awareness to bypass its pain, <laughs> to bypass feeling Shin. And so we have to come from this place that's going to let everything in so that we can find wholeness again. And it is through that that we're free, that we find freedom. Dogen again, Dogen wrote a poem called the Zazen Shin. <laughs> the Shin of Zazen or Zazen's Shin. And in describing the heart of Zazen, 
He's describing the heart. He's describing shin itself. And so he writes, the essential function of every Buddha, the functioning essence of every ancestor, it moves along with your non-thinking and is completed in the realm of non-merging. So in the non-thinking, Shin is able to function. But Shin is not about merging in some singular awareness that wipes out out difference. Dependent co-arising holds both of the truths, plurality and wholeness. And so it moves along with your non-thinking and is completed in the realm of non-merging. As it moves along with your non-thinking, its appearance is immediate. It's right there when we talk about no separation. As it is completed in the realm of non-merging, completeness itself is realization. So completeness itself, this the functioning of shin as a knowing. There is no, as as I was saying before, there is no object that is then known by something else. The whole functioning is complete. The whole knowing is complete in the arising of everything, of all that's dependently co-arising in that moment, coming up as you complete. The completeness itself is realization. There's nothing to be better, to be figured out, to be understood in that moment. Liberation is recognizing that the completeness itself, all that is dependently co-arising is you right now, is realization. If its appearance, he goes on, if its appearance is immediate, in other words, it comes together and there it is, and we know ourselves to be ourselves in that moment without all this cognitive stuff, that there's a faith and trust in Shin, that there's a faith and trust in dependent co-arising, that what we are in this moment is whole. Then there's no defilement. When completeness is realization, you stay in neither the general nor the particular. You're not lost in plurality or lost in oneness. Both are functioning together. If you have immediacy without defilement, if you have this completeness, this immediate knowing, when he talks about immediacy, It's this kind of knowing that is complete unto itself. It doesn't need words. This is an interesting knowing because we all have a sense of what this knowing is. We all have a sense of the knowing of Shin where we know something that requires no words to back it up. The knowing is immediate. The knowing is complete. Knowing is trust. If you have immediacy without defilement, immediacy is dropping away without obstacles. Realization, neither general nor particular, is effort without desire. 
So shin is effort without desire. The functioning of shin is effort without desire. Compassion in its complete form is effort without desire. We don't need to desire. The awakened being, the liberated being, the liberated heart doesn't need to desire um, in this way we're talking about. Until we get, until this is liberated, we do need to work with desire. But the heart is just responding to the suffering of the world. Its effort comes forward without the need for desire. Its response is complete. And so there is the suffering of confusion that arises, and there is Shin's response of compassion and love, and they come like this. There was no need for desire. The only reason that we have to do all the work of intention and desire is because we're not living from this function. When we are freed from grasping the mind, the way the Buddha talks about grasping the mind, then we're freed to live from this function. Actually, the Buddha, when he talked about it, he said the, the, the dukkha, suffering, is grasping. But the cause of dukkha, the cause of dukkha is thirst, is tanha, is craving. That's the second noble truth. So the cause, and he talks about three kinds of craving, three kinds of thirst. The thirst for being, the thirst for becoming or being, coming into being, maintaining one's sense of being, the thirst for not being, for the destruction of a sense of being, and then the thirst of the body or the bodily craving, the craving that is associated with the desires of the body. And the, um, this confuses, this thirst and this craving confuses shin because we're spending all of our energy and time not living from the functioning of shin, but living from the primary craving of keeping being going, of keeping the self going. That's where all our energy is going. So we're caught up in this activity of not living life as it naturally emerges, dependently co-arisen, but of continuing this craving of self. And so, so the way Buddhism understands the arising of self is arising, the object of desire arises, and with it the self arises. So it's not like the self is sitting there and something happens, is there's an object of desire that comes up, an object that we're thirsting after, and the self is the shadow of that desire. Now here's the trick. With the thirst after being, it creates a kind of hamster wheel, right? Because the object of desire stays there. We're, we just keep thirsting after being, thirsting after self, thirsting after a permanent self, thirsting after a permanent self. So we don't have the experience of the self coming and going and coming and going and coming and going, which is actually what's really going on. We have the experience of the self being permanent, but that's because the self is thirsting after itself. And so it's creating this constant feedback loop that feels like permanence. This lays on top 
of Shin's natural functioning. And we spend all of our time chasing that. Once we give up the thirst for being, once we really can let, we can relinquish the thirst for being, and it doesn't feel so permanent, then we actually can start to witness that the self arises. Oh, there's a, there, there's a thirsted after object. Oh, look, the self comes. Look, when that goes away, so does that. As that begins to happen, and that begins to fall away, then we start having an experience of a different ground that isn't the self thirsting after itself, but is the heart functioning as the nexus of dependent co-arising, as the network of dependent co-arising within us, not within us, as us. And then we can live from that. And that's our original shin. That's original heart. And when that happens, Dogen keeps going. When that happens, he says, realization, neither general nor particular, is effort without desire. And when that happens and that falls away, clear water all the way to the bottom. A fish swims like a fish. Vast sky transparent throughout. A bird flies like a bird. When that happens and we stop this self thirsting after itself, which is the most inauthentic version of who we are, then we fall into Shin. And it's just Shin's functioning. The mind is clear all the way through like the ocean, all the way through like the sky. And a fish simply swims like a fish, a bird simply flies like a bird, and a human being simply functions like a human being. Addressing what needs to be addressed, coming forward compassionately to care for needs. That is the Bodhisattva's freedom. And this is what Dogen means in the Genjo Koan when he says to forget the self is to be actualized by the myriad things. When actualized by the myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and minds of others, drop away. Because the world we were projecting onto everything drops away. No trace of realization remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. And so looking at the field, the sparrows and their nests are there. Looking at the tomatoes, Italian ancestry and grandmothers are there. Friday night, my, um, my uncle Luther died. And when he, when I felt him, my whole family and childhood was suddenly there in seconds, probably not even a second. Everything was there. We arise completely in that moment as the tomato and all of its connections, as the meadow and all of its connections, 
as Uncle Luther and all of its connections. And then it falls away. And then the next coming together arises, and that is what we are. And it falls away. And the next coming together arises, and it falls away. Dogen, more Dogen. Do not suppose that the ash is future and the firewood is past. You should understand that firewood abides in the phenomenal expression of firewood, which fully includes past and future and is independent of past and future. Everything that arises as what we are in a given moment fully includes the whole of past and future and is independent of past and future because it is arising as a full expression in this moment that will die fully in this moment. And to say that it is past and future would be wrong, but to say that it does not include all of past and future misunderstands its connection to everything. Shin is that which holds these connections that makes them real for us. There is no more trustworthy ground. even though it is entirely groundless and always in motion. It is the only thing that we can rely on. We practice in a tradition that in the end gives us nothing at all. What it does is it takes away everything so that we can realize that everything was always already there. We talk about Shin as the endless sky, the vast sky. But the sky is not only vast, it's luminous. It's incomprehensibly dark. It's full of stars that are each in and of themselves infinities. It is entirely unknowable to us. And when we believe we understand it, when we believe the cognitive mind gets it, we are like children who believe it is safe to play with fire. Harm will certainly come. We are only awake when we know the profound limits of our ability to see. The profound limits of our ability to understand. But in knowing that, (laughs) in knowing those limits, we come to know a faith that makes our Dharma seat unshakable. And that is what I hope for everyone in this retreat. 
as Suzuki Roshi said, you know, Zen is Zen when you are you. When you become, when each of us becomes fully liberated shin functioning, total complete functioning of life as life, fully authentically the Dharma seat that is what we are in any given moment, then we will be free. And when that is the case, we will be nothing but support for each other's liberation. So please continue doing the work of becoming who you are. Knowing that everything you think you are, maybe not. Thank you. May our intentions equally penetrate. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.